Hi there, welcome to the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. My name is Gary Turner, your host, and today I had the absolute pleasure of welcoming Denise Sanderson Escort onto the podcast. Denise is a HR business partner, entrepreneur, and trustee, and this lady is just an absolute inspiration. She's passionate, she's assertive, she's driven, but from this place of absolute presence, it's just really inspiring to behold. And I think one of the things I really enjoyed that Denise shared on this podcast was around that she's always looking how to try and bring people back to their center. And I think in a world of increased, increased polarity and division, Denise really does hold the torch for presence, dropping our thinking and just being inclusive and going first on trying to understand how other people see the world. And therefore, Denise is just so super empathetic. And as you get, get into this podcast, one of the other things I wanted to share in advance is she speaks about that the more that you share, the more you remember. And she's talking in the context of any events that you may attend or maybe any um, thought leadership events that you may get involved with. The more you share, the more you remember. So this is just an absolutely wonderful podcast. I learned so much from Denise and I'm pretty sure you're going to as well. So please do dive in. It's always really grateful and helpful if you can offer some feedback to Denise or myself directly. And uh, we look forward to hearing what you think. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. Today, I'm so grateful to welcome Denise Sanderson Escort onto the podcast. Hello, Denise. Good morning. Good morning, Gary. Hi. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, look, thank you for joining me. For those that may be listening to us now, I finally got the chance to meet you face-to-face at Meaning at the end of last year after sort of being socially connected for a couple of years. So I'm really excited yeah. to chat with you today. Brilliant. Thank you. And yeah, it was a really great conference and what a place to meet, really. So Brilliant. Well, look, as we get going, would you mind giving the listeners a bit of an overview? Who are you? What's your background? And what are you passionate about? Okay, so you know my name. Um, I met Gary through our HR connections um, on social media. So that's one of the things that I really enjoy. I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm passionate about it because that's not a very popular thing to say really but I I have to admit I'm a bit of a fan of social media and I've been really lucky to make some great connections through it. Um, I am a HR professional by background especially um, OD and very much learning and development often considered the soft side of things um, but they very much suit me. I've done the tougher stuff too Um, so I've been in HR for quite a while Um, but also and perhaps more interestingly is I think I've become better at HR because I had a career break. During that time, I was raising my son and I trained to be an image consultant and I bring all of those things to how I work and what I do. Um, Though don't hold me to account if you ever see me looking a complete state with regards to the image consultant bit. So yeah, that's, I think that's largely me and I'm I'm passionate about body confidence. I'm passionate about people really. Um, And I'm passionate about people being their best and being enabled to do their best. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, it's really fascinating, though, when you do look at your background, you know, so you've got your, 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 your dance and bell sort of styling business, but, yeah. you know, as well as your dance and HR, you work at the um, Royal College of Physicians and yeah, you're a trustee. So, like, yeah. you're a busy lady. Yes, and sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes it's not so much a good thing. It makes for a, um, 
a busy, interesting life. Um, and they, they're all connected. I can see the dots with all of them. And there's also an awful lot that I don't do and that I can't do and that I'd like to do more of. Um, but yeah, I've got enough keeping me busy at the moment. That's amazing. Do you mind just maybe speaking a little bit about what are those connections? It's quite an interesting sort of mix of things that you do do. What would you say the common threads are for you sort of putting those things together? So very relevant to, to your sort of whole range of work, really. They're all about people being given opportunity. So um, as an image consultant, people often sort of don't see the connection. But for me, it was always really obvious because quite often when I was working with people through learning and development, I'd watched them grow in confidence. And I would almost always observe that the more confident people became, the more they dressed as themselves and the person that they truly were. There were also scenarios where people would look a particular way and then you dig a little deeper and you'd realise that perhaps like in one instance, one lady, I remember the, the crazy red hair everybody thought meant that she was super confident. But what she said was, well, actually, it means that everybody talks about my hair and I don't often have to give away too much. So for me, there's a real connection between what I do in terms of learning and development, helping people grow and be them best, their best selves that really links to the image consultancy for me. Um, and that built into body confidence. And I think that image is a benefit but also sometimes a mask for people so I mean to be honest that's a completely different podcast I could do days worth of stuff on image consulting but that's that's how that link comes in and my trustee role came because I wanted to I wanted to grow in my role and in my career but I didn't necessarily want to be doing it in a way that was always about fighting for a promotion mm -hmm. and that's still largely the case so becoming a trustee meant I was able to engage in a, in a business way but not necessarily as part of the day job so as a trustee I sat for example I started by sitting on the risk and audit committee nothing to do with my day job not at all in my field of expertise um, and I said in there my role was to to be the idiot so if they could make it understand if I could understand what they were talking about it meant we were communicating effectively but moreover, it's a, a Christian charity, but it works with ex-offenders to rehouse them, re-educate them, um, bring families together, and about giving people those opportunities to be a better version of themselves, to be able to, to move on from a not-so-great history to looking more to their future. So for me, again, that's a really, really obvious link. And I cheat because I'm, I'm a HR specialist. That's what I do on the board. Um, I delivered their values, worked on that when I first joined, and that's something I've continued to be able to carry that experience that I did as a trustee into work with um, a number of different organisations, the British Lung Foundation and, and the RCP in particular, I've done values work for them. So for me, all of those things are really interconnected. Um, it makes perfect sense, but not necessarily when you, when you see it to begin with. That's what, thank you so much for describing that. That's, that's really, really fascinating for me. And I think I, I love this thing around helping people be more of their true self and how that confidence piece, because that, for this, so this podcast for anyone that may be listening for the first time is very human centered. So we talk generally about vulnerability, courage, inclusion. And I think if you're lacking confidence, it's very difficult to be included because how you show up, the energy you give off, you know, I think that lack of confidence can really exclude you almost by accident at times. Do you think that's, yeah. would you challenge that? Or would you agree with that from, from your side? 
No, I'd largely agree with it, but I think people take a lack of confidence and can do a one, essentially one of two things with it. And I think you always get extremes with a lack of confidence. I think you either get those people who work really hard to mask that lack of confidence. And so they can sometimes become the most bullshy, brazen person in the room um, as a way of masking and stopping people from perhaps from being a little bit deeper. So I kind of liken that to comedians. We quite often hear about the, the vulnerability of comedians, and yet they're out there putting themselves in this position of complete vulnerability because, you know, there's no hiding if a joke bombs. Um, and then on the other side of that, I think when you have got people who are lacking in confidence, they can, as you say, kind of self-exclude themselves, um, not necessarily show up in the room. And as a trainer in particular, so in HR, I think I only see that at the extreme end. So you've got to dig quite deep if you're, for example, doing a disciplinary or somebody's got attendance issues. You have to dig quite deep, I think, to see that or things are often a problem. But I think in training, you can see it really quite quickly because there's always the kind of slightly more opinionated person in a room. And then there's always that person in a room who you're going, we haven't heard from you for the, far, for the last 20 minutes um, and bringing them in. So I think confidence masks itself in a number of ways. But I think ultimately, if you haven't got a degree of um, confidence and assurance, it can be quite difficult but it's hard to balance that and you know I think there's been lots about imposter syndrome for example so I think for me I'm quite boring in that sense I'm always looking for balance um, and trying to bring people back to the to their center do you know something it just it's such an inspiring message you're giving because I'm interested let me unpick that a second where why could it why do you think it could be seen to be boring to be centered where, where do you think that comes from or what's that perception come from out of interest? Um, I mean, I think it's slightly more than a perception. It's quite a narrative that I that over the years I've heard quite a lot. So, Denise, what's your opinion? And, you, and I kind of do the play piggy in the middle thing quite often. And people are like, just be on one side or the other. And I'm like, mm, it's just not that simple for me. And I think another one that always sticks with me that I heard when I was quite early in my career was along the lines of, you know, um, if you just sit in the middle of the road soon enough, you'll get run over. Um, I haven't been run over yet, but there have been times when it's felt a little bit like I have to come down on one side or the other. And that's not to say that I don't or I won't come down on one side or the other. I've got very strong views on what I think is right or wrong. But I think people often mask having an opinion with just being a little bit blunt with it. So I, one of my blogs previously was... Um, I don't I basically I never sign up to a value of honesty because although I'd like to think I'm a really straight honest person I think it's often used as an excuse for people to just be brutal and blunt um, so I prefer to sort of talk in terms of you know helping people find their truth or speaking my truth because at the end of the day there's usually three sides to any story um, more often than not things are are just an opinion they might be an evidence-based opinion but they're largely just people having opinions and those opinions being more weighted to right or wrong some things are clearly wrong some things I see as clearly right but yeah it's been a narrative that I have heard is that you know have an opinion don't sit on the fence you get splinters um, don't sit in the middle of the road you get run over like I said I, I do me 
I can't, I can't do different. Trust me though, if I come down on one side of the fence or another, you better have a really, really good reason or really good argument to move me from that position. Um, mm. But it's usually about the how I go about doing things I'd like to think rather than the, the what is it, what is the right and the wrong and how do we get people to see from our side of the fence, whether it's a six or a nine, um, depending where you stand. Mm, no, no, thank you for expanding on that because it really resonates with me because only the last couple of years I've started to deal with my own fears personally. And what I just, what I was hearing in those, that explanation of yours is a whole bunch of fear going on. So Denise, you need to believe me. You need to be on my side. And then it's almost like a, so what if I, what if I'm not sort of scenario? And it's just because you're so value driven, you're okay to sit in that present space. And I think that's yeah. a really, really powerful message for people that are listening. Really. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm happy to sit there. Um, yeah, but that's no. helpful to hear somebody else say that it's not so dangerous and not so silly to always be in the middle of the road. I think it's put me in good stead, to be fair. I think I'm known as being balanced and can therefore hold an argument either side. And then if I do, as I say, come down on the side, I think people are usually quite responsive and quite respectful of that because they know it will be a considered opinion, even if it's not a factual evidence-based one and then people can do with that what they choose to do with it it's, it's lovely though because what, what i'm sensing here one of the themes of this podcast is around vulnerability and around courage and it sounds crazy doesn't it to think it's courageous to be yourself and to listen and to you know engage with other people that may have different points of view it's it's really amazing like it's easier and safe it's much easier to come down on another side jump in with the in crowd or the out crowd yeah. And it is to be present and be who you are. I find that quite an interesting sort of dichotomy. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean there's not vulnerability in that space. You know, mm -hmm. there is there is a degree of fear when often when I start in terms of if I can understand both sides, then I don't necessarily have to make an immediate decision. So or I can hear both sides of the argument or somebody might not like the side of the argument that I'm on. But it's not about holding that space. It's about saying, okay, now I've heard everything, I can offer something, as opposed to, you know, I'm just going to sit here and be so vulnerable, I'm never going to speak. In fact, people who are listening to this or who might hear it, who know me will say, she is never short of an opinion. Um, and they're probably quite right. But that doesn't mean I'm not internalizing a vulnerability. And I'm often having the conversation in my head before the words come out and thinking carefully about how do I say it? So you will know that before doing this podcast, my big fear was, will I say the wrong thing? Um, and your reassurance was just say the thing. So I'm, I'm taking, I'm drawing on the confidence you've given me rather than it's, I don't have, you know, I do have vulnerability, but you know, we all need people around us who will say it's okay mm -hmm. to have that opinion, but who at the end of the day are prepared to, if that opinion's, going to get us in some sort of trouble that is prepared to say that's not necessarily a healthy opinion you might just want to check in on that so my vulnerability is is very much there um it's just i've never read the book because i'm not really good at reading full books but you know even the phrase feel the fear and do it anyway mm -hmm. i've allowed that phrase to drive me quite a lot quite often i love that love that thank you so much for sharing that i'm really interested in your you're clearly a values-driven person. Did your, just come back a second to your career break that you took to, to bring up your son. 
did you, did you feel coming back into the world of work, has anything changed for you personally as Denise between going on that career break and coming back in? Did you see things differently? Did you change your approach in any way? Is there anything that, and I'm not trying to put words into your mouth, just, just out of interest. I mean, what's interesting is I think that that conversation I was having with myself started before I took the career break because it wasn't purely to look after my son. My, the organisation I was in was relocating. Most of the roles um, were moving to Birmingham. I made a decision that having done several restructures, redundancies, all sorts of things, that I would rather spend the year settling my son into school than going on that journey um, knowing that I wasn't prepared or ready to go anywhere other than where I was because my family support networks um, are all where I am and so I, I wasn't going so for me those considerations started beforehand because equally I felt that HR at the time had changed so when I joined HR you know we were considered to be the people who did tea and tissues and I thought that yeah it's fine that you know we've got this other stuff that we do as well you know the disciplinaries the not so pleasant stuff um, but I just felt we were losing a bit of our soul as, as HR. So when I left, one of the things that I really considered was not going back into HR at all, because I didn't want to, again, have to, you know, I'd gone in being told that HR was always on the side of the staff. The staff always think you're on the side of the managers. I always said I'm on the side of doing whatever is the right thing and, and by profession, essentially. So when I left, I was pretty much thinking I wasn't going to go back. It was taking a turn that I didn't want. It was becoming very much about do what the organisation wants. Um, it was very much about, I think around that time we were seeing some employment legislation being or support, support being eroded, so legally. And I was just uncomfortable in that space. So when I took the career break, I thought, okay, I'm going to think very much about what I want to do. And I remember someone saying to me when I'd had this conversation sometime down the line, they were saying, but you're the right person then be in the industry still trying to do it differently. Because if everybody with your mindset left, you leave us, you leave the sector in a worse place. So that's not to say people weren't doing the right thing. Um, and HR professionals weren't still being brilliant professionals. It just didn't feel right for me. But the thinking for me really took another shift the hardest bit was trying to get back in. Um, so I've really changed my mindset since trying to get back into HR. So one of my hobby horses is this issue around part-time work um, and people being allowed to bring the rest of their lives into work. So you key in part-time um, in any HR job and you watch it plummet from, you know, hundreds of jobs in London to next to none. Um, and so for me, there was a real challenge. I was talking to recruitment agencies who some weren't particularly positive or professional. Um, I was speaking to employers going for jobs who at times were a bit blunt about, well, you know, you've been out of the sector for a long time. You know, do you still have a sense of what's going on? And I was really disappointed in my own profession and in those related professions. So that's the thing I think I've really carried with me is not what I did in the gap but the fact that it was it was quite difficult and I think it is still difficult to bring all of you to work in many many environments and I'm actually really fortunate at the RCP that even my image consulting stuff gets bought in on occasion we might do a learning at work week and they're like Denise can you run a session um, I work part-time and that's very well supported 
where I work, but actually I still think as a sector, the real learning that I had there was we ourselves as HR professionals can be really dismissive of people who've had a career break, who don't want to be climbing the career ladder, all of those sorts of things. I think that's been a learning for me that I've carried forward in how I try and support people coming back to work, coming through work, people with care responsibilities, all of those sorts of things. So I think I'm, I think I'm actually bolder as a result of it and better informed because I've been on both sides of the fence, if you like. Um, so it, it was a good experience. That's been my learning is that we need to do better as a profession sometimes. I think that's really interesting. There's a couple of things that are jumping out for me as you, as you speak, Denise. So one is that I don't know if you're connected with Comeback Girl on Twitter, Laura Izzard. So yes, she's, yeah, no. she, she, yeah, so she does a lot of work around this return to work um, as well. So really, really cool. So you two should be connected if you're not already. But I think okay. the, the other thing that jumps out to me is I still hear in my network and in some organisations not too far from me, I still hear the conversations, normally white male men that look like me, going, oh, she's 26, 27, she's going to want to have three kids, don't bring in another one that's that age. You know, this is rife. You know, let's be really clear on this podcast. This is not an unusual situation. I hear it everywhere. So, and in the age of technology, I find it crazy where we've got talent, you know, talent shortages. There's one billion people coming online across the world over the next sort of five, 10 years. You know, at what point the businesses wake up and go, we, if we genuinely include everybody from every background, wherever they sit in the world, like we're going to have this access, this talent pool we just don't have at the moment. Yet we've yeah. still got these people that look like me making these decisions going, oh, she's of a child, child rearing age. Yeah, let's watch out. We don't want too many of those in the business. And I'm just like, and it's 20, that's 2019, Denise. Yeah. Um, it surprises me. I mean, I'm not going to let anybody off the hook here. I still hear it from I hear it from other females in the business as well. Um, I think what was particularly interesting for me was that I'd continued with my trustee role during that period of absence. So it was actually still bringing my skills to an, a, a professional environment. And even that wasn't enough. So imagine if you have been out of work for a longer period of time than that. So as I said, it's, it's a particular frustration, actually, for me, that we are still having this conversation. Um, I think people have got to be fair on both sides. Mm-hmm. I've certainly also worked with people who have, frankly, tried to manipulate organisations because you can't do anything about my attendance or my timekeeping because of these personal circumstances. And I think everybody's got to take professional and personal accountability for the position that they find themselves in. But what's frustrating is when, and I can only use me as an example, you know, I had started doing my image consulting. So I was still using a lot of skills like communication, like planning, um, like relationship building. I'd added new skills because I was having to be more efficient around managing a business. My social media um, knowledge all came as a result of being an image consultant. And I was still doing the trustee work, and yet I was I was struggling. So I just think that there definitely is something about all of us just checking in with ourselves about where our own biases are um, and challenging ourselves to do better and be better and challenging each other when we hear those conversations to just say, hang on a minute, 
And if I'm honest, if I turn the clock back, I can't remember if I was as reasonable um, perhaps 15 years ago before I'd had a career break as I was after I'd had it. In fact, I'd encourage everybody to do something that steps them outside of their career, their profession at some point, because it's so rich the experiences that you get to bring back in the oddest ways you can make the connections. And I say that also about parenting. You know, I have learned a super amount of skills, um, particularly negotiation, because my child can negotiate. Um, <laughs> being calm under pressure, um, you know, operating outside of your comfort zone. The things that you learn as a parent, the things that you learn as a trustee, the things that you learn taking a career break, um, dealing with a, an illness, being a carer. There are so many things that we get and we're still too focused on the skills, the experience, the job title, rather than what does this individual bring? And I get for recruiters that's difficult because we work still on CVs, but we have to do something to, to try and change that narrative. Yeah, it's really, really powerful. I'm really interested, actually. I'd like to segue a little bit because you write a very interesting blog, which I find really interesting. And I love the name of it, Learn, Laugh and Grow, which I think is a really cool name, may I add, for a, for a blog. You wrote, a, couple, you wrote a, really, a really cool couple of blogs about um, the CIPD event, the ACE event up in Manchester at the, in November last year. And it's very much linked to what we've discussed so far. One of the, your big takeaways was actually around showing up. And one of the reflections was a lot of people show up to these events, but how much do we as individuals, back to your accountability piece, how much do we actually take back of that learning into our organisations or how much effort do we honestly make to connect with people we met to find out what do you do with that learning? You know, can I help you? Can you help me? You know, and I'm wondering, do you want to speak a little bit about that, this, this showing up bit? I'm really interested to get a bit, dive a bit more deeper into that with you. Yeah, um, again, I'd probably have to check what I'd said exactly at the time, so I have to contradict myself, but we, turn, we often go to these events, we make connections, and I get it, it's really difficult when you get back to the business to necessarily, you know, remember everything that you learnt, connect with everybody, but I think the more you share, the more you remember. Mm -hmm. So a couple of, well, about a year ago, I was doing, going to a, a conference, and for me, it's about, you can't remember everybody, but keeping some sort of record of those people who made a difference, who, you, who triggered something in you. You can't remember everybody. You can't connect with everybody. Again, social media is brilliant for that because I think you can start to get a sense of who interests you even before you go to an event, which is helpful. And therefore, you can almost be seeking people out. But then you meet other people along the way that you didn't expect to meet. I think it's about being honest and open as well and saying, I know I can't connect with everybody, but when you meet somebody and they're interesting to you, just saying, you might not hear from me for six months, but if, if something comes up and you, you're at the front of my mind, that means you might hear from me at that point in time. So that's my personal thing. But my professional thing is that we do need to find space when we go back. So before I go on any event, I actually will usually say to the CEO, the HR director and, and my colleagues, is there anything in particular you want me to bring back? And I'll often work my schedule around what things people want me to bring back. So there's already a clear purpose there. So one of my colleagues, for example, wanted me to attend the CIPDA conference, something around um, business partnering. So I went to that session and it meant I didn't get to share it necessarily with everybody, but I was able to take it back to that individual who had asked. 
And then the other thing that I challenge myself with in terms of other people is before I go to any event, I actually invite others as well, as well and say, rather than just me coming back and bringing messages, if it's affordable, if it's relevant, why don't you come as well? So both my direct reports are always encouraged to go, even if they're not able to do a full conference because of our budget, I often encourage them to go for one day to see an exhibition to network. And I do always send messages to the exec directors at the Royal College, um, not always, most of the time, and certainly in the last year, I send messages to them and say, I'm going to this event, what would be useful, but also who wants to go instead of me or come with me? I'm still hoping that I'll be able to encourage them to do that. Um, but I think it's about persistence. And the other thing is, is I'm quite patient. I can bide my time. Um, it'll happen. But so those are some of my things about showing up is actually it starts before you even arrive. And it's then about being bold when you're there and then continuing it afterwards. But my thing for everything is don't beat yourself up if you don't quite get it right. Because life happens. And to use your phrase, things are messy. <laughs> no that, that, that's wonderful feedback just going to share a bit, a bit of my experience for the listeners as well the last two years I'm a huge advocate for social media and I have to put a shout out to Helen Amory who introduced me literally only three years ago I joined Twitter and my growth personally meeting people like you Denise and the sharing the giving nature of social media if you drown out the idiots and the trolls you know you're going to get, you're going to get that like anywhere but the, the richness of the, the reports that get shared, people's insights, you know, the feedback from Ace, like your live blogging. The, if you step into this, if you actually just do a little bit of effort and go, go first and actually go, oh, hi, like us now, let's meet each other, let's do a podcast because we can learn off each other. That's all it takes. And it's actually, it's not that big a deal, but we can get locked in our head, making it this much bigger thing. And yes. I think for me, networking is not about getting something, it's about giving something. And at the end of the day, if I can serve you or give you something, a platform or have a conversation or connect you to someone else, for me, that's networking. It's not about me extracting something from you as Denise. And I think networking has got a bit of a bad press because people, yeah. you know, icky, it feels icky for a lot of people, doesn't it? Networking as a term, I think. Yes. I think it's about relationship. I think fundamentally, you know, I've used lots of other descriptions about why the, the roles that I play are all connected. But ultimately, I'm a people person. They're all about relationship and so I I do sometimes go to events again when I was an image consultant you'd go to events and you you need you need people to use your services but it's about reciprocal relationships it's about give and take um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I am always giving because I will often be taking but it's about it being reciprocal it being fair it being inclusive um, and in that space, showing up as well. You know, we know that there are lots of people on social media who extract a lot of information. They're just looking at it. They're there in the background, but you don't hear from them. So again, that links the showing up and the social media. I think you can show up wherever you are the best way you can in the moment. So you mentioned my blog, for example. I haven't blogged since Ace. I blog very sporadically now. That's some of where my fear sits. I'm like, oh God, I start writing them. I've got 101 unpublished ones. Um, but you know, when you put yourself out there, as you say on social media, you have to learn to ignore the idiots because they're out there, but we live with them every day anyway. So why shut yourself off? Because otherwise you'd, just, you'd be a hermit. So just learn to 
to accept that idiots are out there. And actually they're not idiots, they're just people in a different space from you. Circumstances we don't yet understand. Sometimes we can try and understand it, sometimes they won't share. And then you might want to leave them in the idiot space because I think people who make no effort kind of deserve to be slightly, you know, challenged. But again, even with that, I try and think, you know, actually, if I'm honest, I'm probably thinking, yeah, they are idiots, but I, I try not to meet them in that way. And so then I'm able to maybe give something and even get something back from them. I think rebels are often where the fun is and mm -hmm. where the, the insight is. And sometimes those rebels, those challenging people, they show up in a really idiotic way. Yeah, so you, you, I just love, thank you so much for actually giving me a bit of balance back as well, because I, I, there's a great book by Adam Grant, Give and Take. He's got a great TED talk, and he does actually talk about the fact that you can actually be too much of a giver as much as too much of a taker. You know, there is, yeah. back to your point about balance and presence and actually just, yeah, just, 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 just doing it in a way that's natural and authentic. I think it's like, if we're thinking about stuff too much, it just becomes messy anyway, I think, personally. Yeah, yeah. So try not to overthink anything, but that's, that's wonderful. So tell me right now for you, who or what is inspiring Denise the most right now? And it can be anything. It can be work. It can be personal. It can be societal. What's, what's really inspiring you currently? Oh, God, it's, it's quite a long list. So I'll, I'll actually try and do a little bit in each space. So inspiring me professionally, I have to say, is, is the Twitter network. I just think that the relationships, the engagement, that there's a real community there and I think that professional community is really important. I have a lot of really good people that I work with as well but in the workspace I think there is no doubt that I play a role and that there are roles and hierarchies to be considered. To give my organisation credit and certainly to give my CEO and my HR director credit and um, so Ian Bullock and Linda Asamoa they allow me to operate to a degree outside of that hierarchy but not everybody does. So, you know, I want to recognise my work colleagues, but I think where I'm able to be perhaps my most real and authentic is in my sort of personal learning network. And I've met a lot of you guys, a lot of those people now, and feel safe, comfortable, confident in that space. And I draw a lot on that. So that's, that's that area. Um, personally, my parents are incredible. Um, my sister is amazing. And my nephew and my son and my, I mean, I've just got such an incredible wealth of people around me. So I'm inspired constantly by them. My son is a constant inspiration, sometimes because he's driving me mad and I have to be better. So I'm inspired to be better in that sense. But yeah, my family and my friends, I've, I, I, know, I know incredible people. Um, I'd like to think I draw those sorts of people to me. Um, but I also quite like the rebels in my world as well. Um, and out there in the wider world, I mean, I have to say I'm a Michelle Obama fan. Um, I'm, I'm loving anyone who raises their head above the parapet and says, I will support other people. So I think at the Golden Globes this week, I'm trying to, Regina, somebody, I think, I feel terrible, I can't remember her name, but she said, you know, she stood up there, accepted her award and said, I will only work in places where 50% of women are there. So, I mean, I just really admire people who are much braver than me, who are much more driven than me, um, who, but who, when they have their platform, use it for the greater good. 
so I'm, I'm constantly inspired every day by those people who are just pushing through and every carer I've ever met. I have shout out to carers. Every carer I've ever met, I have to say, inspires me because usually they do it in such an unsung way. Um, so shout out to all the carers as well. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank, th thank you for sharing that, Denise. I think, you know, talking about safety, talking about confidence, isn't it funny that we can, we can if we go, go about it in a way that's intentional and with care, we can actually meet a load of people on the internet, not try and date them all, just make friends with them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's incredible. It's like you said, I just have to get that point across to anyone that may be listening to us for the first time on this podcast. You know, you can transform your network and learn so much for next to nothing cost apart from investment in your time and your energy. You know, yeah. my, literally, I, okay, I've spent some money on myself the last couple of years, but the majority has come for free by just meeting people like you and being open and willing to engage. So thank you, Denise, as well. It's amazing. Thank you. You're one of those people that makes that environment a, a fantastic place to be. And like you, I get quite frustrated when people just talk about the trolls or they talk about it adding sort of no real value and it not being personal because I've built some incredibly rich personal experiences um, and really grown as a result of the people that I've followed and subsequently met and I can't I can't sort of sell it enough each to their own of course but if anyone out there is listening and saying how do I do this you know I'm not running a perfect set of pages but it's fun and there are some tips that we can share um, and and make it work for you, but be real in that space. Oh, awesome. Um, I know you've not read your blogs in a while, but I just want to come back to something. You got to trust me that I read it. Um, a really important point, just to talk about HR, but also I think something on a more human basis anyway, for all of us. You spoke back in one of your blogs from ACE around people need, we're talking about HR, people need to get into the business and go and yep. meet people from the business rather than just be in the HR bubble, which sometimes we can, we can all, you know, people can fall into that. And I think there's something in that about all of us just leaning in and talking to someone that doesn't look like us, maybe comes from a different background, just, you know, whether they've got disabilities or different color, race background, whatever. Do you want to speak a little bit about that in terms of, do you, do you see that as being important in terms of venturing into the business? You know, and, and why is that important for you? It's absolutely critical for me and the way I work. It's very much a personal thing, but I think if it's not you naturally, stretch yourself, because I think it's, it gives a lot of richness back. I'm not perhaps going to give away too much, partly because I will be speaking at um, the Festival of Work, and Ooh. I will largely be speaking about that particular subject. <laughs> so partly because okay. I haven't framed all of my thinking yet, um, but what I will do is I will give you one one tip and I'll probably do a little bit more but I'll give you definitely one tip which is get a Fitbit and see how many steps you do and if you aren't doing steps it means you haven't done enough and you could see 101 people coming into you but that is not the same as going out to them so it is about for me being out there in the business because it's what you hear on your travels the conversations that people will have with you when they stop you in the corridor um it's about just being aware of what's going on you know if you sit in your office you don't know let's be really practical you don't know how many bathrooms are not working in your place of work you don't know you know you see people hiding in corners making calls or looking upset that you just 
don't get if you are sat in your office. So get yourself a Fitbit, get out into the business, but don't just walk around and not be seen because I'm sure people are doing that. But, you know, walk about and have conversations with people. If your organisation does an induction, one of the things we brought into induction at the RCP was an actual networking session as part of induction. So we encourage people to come and meet new starters. And that means that they already have somebody outside of the people that they're working with that they recognise. Sometimes it's only about recognising and eye contact and saying hello. So find whatever it is that your organisation does that gives you an opportunity to network. Find the gobby people in your organisation and ask them how they do it and get a Fitbit. So those are my tips. Just do it. Get a Fitbit. Talk to the people who are already good at it. That's, that's brilliant. And you've kept enough of your, uh, your ideation for your uh, Festival of Work speech. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that Fitbit's a really, really cool idea. And I think this is just, just to, put, again, put the balance out there and the inclusion piece. You know, I could see anybody that's in a leadership position within an organisation or has responsibility for other human beings should also have a Fitbit because they should be talking to their peers. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, let, let, get rid of the Christmas party. Here come the Fitbits. Yeah. <laughs> so as we look to wrap up, Denise, I want to give you the last word today. You've been an absolutely amazing guest. What would you, if you could wave a magic wand, you know, what, what are maybe one or two things that would really, you would, would be sort of success for you if by the end of 2019 or end of 2020, if you saw some shifts, whether it be in your own organisation, you personally, or on a sort of macro basis, what sort of shifts are you hoping to see in the sort of short to medium term? Um. So I've got a very personal one, which is because I can't actually get out and do image consulting and body confidence coaching very much. I'm developing a product to be able to put some of what I think and feel and the questions that I might ask in those settings into something that people can use, schools and whoever else might be interested. So that's a very personal one. Um, also this year at the RCP, for the first time, we're looking to do something a little bit different. We've made an announcement at the college that we're going to be doing a manager's conference. So again, that's about getting people together because last year um, I project managed us bringing in and engaging as many of our staff as wanted to be involved, our RCP values. And so we're taking that learning and trying to embed that. One of the ways is through a manager's conference, which will be the first time we've done a whole manager's conference rather than operating in perhaps silos or by level. So Professionally, I'd like to have that conference go off and be incredible. Um, I've been challenged with helping and making sure that we do everything we can to embed the values. So organisationally, that's those things. Um, the personal one I've mentioned, and in terms of my offer to the profession, a bit like this today, I've said that I would take up any sort of speaking opportunities or these sorts of opportunities. I'd feel the fear, I'd do it anyway, and I'd just offer in the hope that somebody finds something I've got to say useful, interesting. So there's this, there's the Festival of Work, and I may be speaking at another event later this year as well. So for me, it's just about um, just broadening my network and offering more, and I hope that by doing that, I don't expect to see the changes I recognise that perhaps I might make a difference to someone who won't get in contact with me and say it. So I'm not too set on seeing it all come back. I just think I'm going to try to spend the year putting some stuff out there 
and just hoping that if it makes a difference for someone that they play it forward and it makes a difference for someone else who I might never never meet network with know it happens so beautiful just beautiful and honestly if you could if you asked me the same question not far away word for word not your obviously your, your areas but that just just beautiful honestly they just beautiful and I'm waving for those that can't see a load of notes so you have given a lot <laughs> good feedback and a lot of and I, and I love even the managers conference idea where I work full-time they're still quite siloed and they don't bring their managers together at all despite trying to get them to do it so I've been looking forward to learning to how you how you embed that, Denise. So I'll look forward to following up with you on that one. Happy so, to speak on that one. You're a star. So look, thank you so much for joining me. How can people reach out to you? What are the best mediums um, to, to contact you if they want to, to, to meet with you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, but as we've just said, the quickest way to connect with me, because I'm much more um, aware of what's going on, probably on my Twitter account than anything else. I actually have a couple of Twitter accounts. You've mentioned them both, Damson HR um, and Damson Bell. So that's a really good way to reach out. But feel free to chase me if you need to. If you need me, if you want to talk to me, you've mentioned at the beginning all the hats that I wear. Um, there's not much space always to be proactive and remember that I need to get back to so-and-so. So if if people connect with me and they want to, sort of meet with me they want to engage with me if I don't respond the first time it's not you it's me so keep keep reaching out and yeah we'll connect it's amazing well look I'll make sure those contact details are added to the podcast show notes and you're an absolute joy Denise thank you for joining me thank you thanks Gary have a great take day care. take care bye bye everyone bye Hi there, your podcast host, Gary Turner here, just wrapping up this wonderful podcast with Denise Sanderson Escort. I just had so many takeaways, but I'm going to keep it to a few key ones. One of those was just around returning to work and actually despite her continuing to work in a professional capacity while she was uh, bringing up her child and taking that career break uh, as part of her trustee role, she still found it difficult to be seen as the individual, as the professional, as she came back into the world of work. Yes, it's a challenge for recruiters, but I think now really is the time to truly see the human being behind the job title. I'm missing so much opportunity right now. And I think this is something that we should all take as individuals, but also within the, our, our organizations, is how do we truly make it easy for people to return into the workplace or indeed while they're on career breaks? How do we still include them um, on the terms that suit them? You know, whether they are um, bringing up children or maybe just taking a break from work. So really, really interesting reflection that for me. I also love that he's talking about that she, I do me, I can't do different. I absolutely love this, this comment. And again, it comes from that wonderful place of presence for Denise. You know, why would she want to try and be anything but herself when she just knows for her that the best place to start from is just being her from this present non-overthinking place, which is just absolutely wonderful. She also speaks to this importance of breaking out of echo chambers, whether it be HR, and I think it's relevant for every one of us as individuals, is it's great to surround yourself and you should do with people that lift you up and people that tell you it's okay. But we also intentionally need to have people that challenge our thinking and maybe actually say to us, okay, I see what you're saying, but have you thought about it this way or could someone else misunderstand it because of a lack of clarity or maybe a, a lack of information? So really, really good messaging here around deliberately and intentionally having that challenger network. And also she speaks a lot about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. 
And that has a different resonance for me after listening to this discussion. You know, I am someone that's dealt with my fears a lot over the last two years myself. But feeling the fear and doing it anyway, for me, is almost the, another way of saying, don't let your, don't overthink things. Don't start to let your thinking take hold because that's where the fear sets in. So yeah, really, really interesting reflection, that one for me. And I think finally, really looking forward to hearing more about how Denise gets on with her intentional desire to speak more throughout 2019 her idea around the Fitbit and measuring how many steps that you do, I think it's great, not only for managers of teams, but also for us as individuals. How often do we just get stuck at our own um, lunch or we have our lunch at our desk because we're busy? You know, we deserve to, to get the downtime. We have to prioritize our own self-care and our time away from, the, from those uh, laptops and from our telephones. You know, it's so, so important. So yeah, I, you know, I've got more, even more takeaways than this, the ones I've shared with you now, but I will wrap up now. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Please do leave a review on the iTunes and podcast app. It would be really appreciated if you've enjoyed this. If you haven't enjoyed this, please do let myself know. Let, let me know how I can improve. Let us know how the podcast can improve. And I really look forward to, uh, looking, to hear, looking forward to hearing from you and looking forward to sharing the next uh, podcast guests with you as they come along. Thanks very much for now.